Abbotsford's return home plan. We know that for many of the residents, returning to their homes and farms will not be easy. Why it could still be weeks for many residents and how some may never be able to go back. Rebuilding BC's broken highways. We've never seen this magnitude of so many at one time. The first steps toward reopening vital routes. And chiropractors push back on the vaccine mandate. If those arguments are... Um are uh, disappointing and wrong. Resistance from practitioners as the requirement looms. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A little bit of hope for evacuated residents of Sumas Prairie. Abbotsford today released its return home plan. And while it will still take weeks to fully drain the floodwater, focus is shifting to the huge restoration and rebuilding effort ahead. Amadagahi is live on Sumas Prairie tonight, where the first round of residents was allowed to go back home earlier today. Ahmad. Yeah, Sophie, so as we learned today, for some of those residents who were able to go back home, as you mentioned, being there, seeing the damage in person to their property didn't make a difficult situation any easier. Making me nervous. Water got up to here. Uh, it was time to move the cows out. It only takes a few minutes into a conversation with dairy farmer Steve Verdunk to see. You want to have a look inside here? How heartbroken he is over what has happened to the animals and the land. Unless you're a farmer and you work with those cows from calves to the milking herd, they, they feed you, they feed your camera guy, they feed everybody. He tried, contemplated every option, but through the rising water of the November flood, 69 of his cows were what he calls compromised. We were able we were able to save 10, but they also went through stress, and uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. It's uh, still pretty close to the heart. Day by day, the water recedes. Key routes are finally looking like roads again and residents while these stairs were floating after weeks of evacuation are able to slowly come back only to see the damage for themselves it's heartbreaking um it's emotional i i don't even know what to say i um went in the house and it smells like mold and it's yeah, we can't live in it right now. As the first step in implementing our return home plan, I am lifting the evacuation order for, for the north area of Sumas Prairie effective immediately. On Friday, fighting through his emotions, Abbotsford Mayor Henry Braun told people in the Sumas Prairie north area seen here in blue, they can go home. Yeah, I have friends up there, so I'm... I'm glad to see them go back. Now I want to add a, an anecdote about uh, the mayor of Abbotsford there, Henry Braun, who we've heard and listened to speak from behind that podium almost every day for three and a half weeks now. Today he seemed the most relieved, the most emotional to be able to announce some of his residents can go back home. He also said tonight might be the first night in a long time he can just get some sleep. And we hope he is able to get a restful sleep. Thanks for that. Amadagahi reporting for us in Abbotsford tonight. 
Well, heartbreak for many of those families who were able to return home today. Many seeing their properties for the first time in nearly three weeks. Ramina Dea was with one man and his son when they got their first look at their water-damaged home and belongings. Here's my front steps from my house, way past that house. Chunks of Rob Souch's home literally floated away. What was left choked off by water. As the torrent recedes, you come face to face with the carnage. And in it, we find South Porch. This last two weeks feels like two months, right? How do you explain this to a four-year-old? Souch returning home with his son Mateo for the first time. Everything changed, but it's the first day for the rest of their lives, right, for a lot of people here. Mateo, do you have a five? Mateo and his dad playing cards when the dike crumbles and the water rushes in. So everyone's trying to get out. Every turn, a wall of water. With his son strapped into his car seat, Souch hunts for an escape route. Hopefully we can get out of the flats here, son. It's, um, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to, you know... A lot to, um, yeah, think about where do you start? Where do you start? Like, the, everything in the house, like, where do you just clean everything out, salvage what you can. You know it filled with water, right? Souch blown away by his son's resilience and by the power of community, which is helping him see a future right here, back home with his family. It humbles us, and, and that's good, right, as people get together because at the end of the day, end of everything, right? It's what do you got left? We have each other. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, for the first time in two weeks, there are no flood watches or warnings in effect in our province. That's good news for waterlogged communities. The province also says heavily damaged highways are slowly being rebuilt. Highway 1 reopened yesterday between Vancouver and Hope, and the transportation minister says traffic is flowing well. Farther up, other routes are slowly being rebuilt as well. Highway 3 is open to trucks, and progress is being made along Highway 1 through the canyon. Between Highway 3, our lone commercial truck route to the interior, and the detours that are available now through Washington State, we've now seen over 10,000 trucks move products around our province. CP Rail has been moving freight. Uh, CN is working toward a mainline reopening between Kamloops and Vancouver, expected this weekend. Uh, airlines have continued to increase their cargo flights, and together this has made a tremendous difference. Well, the B.C. government has begun asking for bids in one of the biggest reconstruction projects this province has ever seen. As Christian Robinson reports, it gives us a good idea of the monumental cost of rebuilding our highways. It's gone in all the places. The 69-kilometer highway connecting Merritt and Spence's Bridge, largely destroyed by a surging Nicola River. Look at this bridge. Look at this bridge. Nothing left of it. 130 kilometers of corridor damaged on the Coquihalla, where entire sections have crumbled, and a gaping hole on Highway 1 south of Lytton. Individually, we've seen this uh, devastation before. We've never seen this magnitude of so many at one time. The province requesting qualifications from construction companies and engineering and design firms interested in rebuilding highways battered by mid-November's storms. 
the Road Builders Association says it's ready for the monumental task. We have the capacity and the capability of taking this on. The BC Highway Reinstatement Program will cover work on Highway 1 between the Fraser Valley and Spences Bridge, Highway 5 between Hope and Merritt, and Highway 8 between Spences Bridge and Merritt. Bids are being accepted for projects between 20 and 50 million dollars and projects over 50 million. So it is fair to say that it will be very significantly expensive uh, to rebuild our infrastructure and to build it to a higher, more resilient standard. Repairs are underway on the three routes with crews saving any infrastructure still usable. Climate change resilient design guidelines will apply to all new construction. This may have been a 100-year flood, but we got to be building for longer type floods, a 1,000-year flood, whatever. There's no timeline on building back better. But because highways need to be restored quickly, the province says financial incentives for improving schedule may be included in the contracts. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And as talk turns to preventing another flooding disaster in B.C., one organization says it's time to start looking at more natural solutions. The Watershed Security Coalition took Global News to their flood mitigation efforts on a creek in North Vancouver. Paul Johnson reports. I've seen a number of salmon coming here. In Getting a guided tour of North Van's McKay Creek with ecologist Crystal Brennan is a story of a lot of positive change in a small amount of time. Initially, this area at one point, probably a long time ago, used to be a wetland. Flowing right through a light industrial and business area. The wetlands around McKay Creek over the years had become so altered by humans that they were polluted, choked with invasive species, and at times would completely dry up. It wasn't doing any of the jobs that it would normally be doing. But starting in 2019, volunteers started working to bring it back. An excavator dug out as much of the invasive plants as it could, and they were replaced with native species like willow, bulrushes, and snowberry. So we have all these different plants here that um, help to provide habitat and they also help to slow the water flow. The results were nearly immediate. Ducks were the first to show up, then more songbirds, hawks and herons. And this spring, in the main course of McKay Creek, they spotted pink and chum salmon. Corey Tull is with BC's new Watershed Security Coalition and says it's a model that can be replicated elsewhere. What we know is that by investing in our watersheds and investing in our natural defense systems like wetlands, like riparian buffers, like restoring our forests, helps to create more resilient communities. And then there's this. Even in rainy North Van, Brennan could already see the results of their work when last month's catastrophic atmospheric river hit. This time, in all of the water that we've had here, it's barely gone up at all. This wetland was able to absorb a lot of the waters. So the McKay Creek wetland may stand as a prototype for how to inexpensively bolster our waterways using nature's own methods. It also looks great. Here are some before and after shots. In North Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. It's in times of crises that British Columbians come out to help. So Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM 730 and Global Okanagan are partnering for BC Together in support of BC flood relief. 
Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to check out the group stepping up to help out and donate to an organization of your choice. Well, temperatures have certainly dropped and now there is the potential for snow. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with more on that. Christy, you mentioned this last night, but now that we're closer to the weekend, how's the revised timeline looking? Well, Sophie, the key is that drivers should know tonight, tomorrow morning, there's a possibility of slippery conditions on the roads. Now, the snowfall amounts will be quite variable. I'll detail those out when I come back. But the timeline is this. Overnight, we'll start to see the rainfall push in across the south coast. Early tomorrow morning, that will transition to snow or wet snow in a lot of areas. You can see that highlighted in the purple colors there. Now, through the morning hours, though, it'll shift out fairly quickly for western sections, lingering longer in areas like Maple Ridge and through the Fraser Valley into the afternoon. It's not until late afternoon that things will ease off through those regions there. So again, I'll detail out those uh, snowfall amounts when I come back, Sophie, to show you which areas we'll see the most. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. Well, there's still no date set for the promised vaccine mandate for BC health practitioners, but at least one group is already resisting the coming requirement. Chiropractors vote to take a stand. Their position and reaction from the health minister in just over a minute. The cargo ship that lost dozens of containers first to a storm and then a fire arrives in Nanaimo. What's next for the troubled MV Zim Kingston? Also tonight, reckless driving caught on camera. Where this happened and what authorities are doing about it later. First, though, let's take a look at the COVID-19 numbers for B.C. We have 405 new cases with 3,071 active cases. 274 people are in hospital with 95 of those patients in the ICU. Six more people have died from complications of the virus. And 88% of eligible British Columbians, 12 and older, are now fully vaccinated. Well, a group of chiropractors is pushing back against the vaccine mandate. More than three-quarters of delegates to the AGM of the College of Chiropractors voted in favor of taking a stand for what they call medical freedom of choice. Neetu Garcha reports. It's a vote bound to spark controversy. 78% of attendees at the College of Chiropractors annual general meeting on Wednesday voting in favor of a Kelowna chiropractor's motion to maintain the right to choose medical privacy and to choose whether or not to engage in medical procedures free of coercion, manipulation, or mandates. Obviously, you guys just don't quite have the same tyrannical approach from your colleges. Those opposed to the measure getting global attention and financial support from organizations like the U.S. nonprofit Chiropractic Defense Council, which says it has now retained a lawyer. But he has actually created a letter for a number of different specialties for a notice of liability. Um, we're not wanting to do this in any other province at this point or territory because your colleges aren't quite as malicious as what we're experiencing in British Columbia. I want to reflect on the, the arguments that were made at that meeting, that those arguments are, um, are uh, disappointing and wrong. The board distancing itself from the vote, saying in a statement it's concerned over inaccurate and misleading information about COVID-19 vaccination and that regulated health professionals occupy a position of public trust, adding the prevention and treatment of infectious disease is not within the scope of chiropractic practice. I think that uh, the chiropractic community has demonstrated its support overall for vaccination. 
albeit there, there's obviously uh, some chiropractors who hold a different view. And, uh, and uh, regardless, the rules are going to apply to everybody. Dick says regardless of a vocal minority within the profession, the province continues to work with colleges to expand the vaccine mandate to all regulated health professionals in B.C. Those who don't comply could face license suspension. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Well, there is still a lot of uncertainty about the Omicron variant, and now a National Health Committee is recommending all Canadians aged 50 and older get a vaccine booster. Right now in B.C., boosters are being offered only to key groups, with more people becoming eligible in the new year. And as Richard Zussman reports, don't expect the province to speed up that approach. Boosting the boosters. The largest body of evidence around booster doses is looking at uh, this six-month interval range. The National Advisory Committee on Immunization recommending Friday everyone 50 years of age and older get offered a third COVID-19 vaccine six months after their second, speeding up the booster program in response to worries about Omicron. Regardless of which variant is circulating, we are better protected individually and collectively when we all do our best to maintain layers of protection. Ontario announcing a six-month gap for anyone over 50. British Columbia's guidance, a bit different. Right now, those 70-plus are being booked after six months, but for most people under 70, excluding those who receive two AstraZeneca shots, work in healthcare, or are immunocompromised, the gap is as long as eight months. We're obviously pleased with the NACI recommendations. We went forward some weeks ago well in advance of these recommendations. But when I ask specifically if a 52-year-old will get their booster shot six months after their second dose, eventually, Minister Dix conceded they would. I think the answer is yes, we're ahead of schedule and uh, uh, we're moving ahead. But there were still many 50 and 60-year-olds six months past second shot waiting for an invitation to book. In response to that, the province pointing to the numbers. 44% of those 70-plus have received a booster here. In Ontario, just 21%. It's not uh, what we say we're going to do, it's what we're doing in BC, which is delivering booster doses starting at six months. But the worry is BC's head start could disappear without more urgency. Other jurisdictions are moving ahead with an expedited program, and I absolutely think that British Columbia should be doing the same thing. Infrastructure, a problem. Right now, 200 pharmacies province-wide are providing COVID boosters. By January, that will grow to more than 1,000. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Turkey trouble. We're not exactly sure how many people are going to eat what this year. The advice to get your order in now, or you might have to wing it for Christmas dinner. Also ahead, help for the holidays, how volunteers are stepping up to make the season a little brighter for flood evacuees. On Marine Drive, we were seeing huge delays from both directions, causing bumper-to-bumper traffic, but as they have switched the lanes on the Lionsgate to two lanes southbound, one lane northbound, all those are delays are now gone. So not a problem here on the Lionsgate Bridge. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. From the Global Traffic Helicopter, I'm Jax McNulty. 
While the worst of the flooding in the interior and the rest of B.C. appears to be over, attention is now turning to getting lives back to normal, and that includes getting ready for Christmas. But many flood victims remain displaced. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich reports on efforts to help those affected enjoy the holiday spirit. It was flooding that displaced thousands of people in B.C. In the case of Merritt, the entire town of 7,000 forced to flee. And while some have now returned, others remain out of their homes and face a very different kind of Christmas. There will still be some families displaced over the holidays. With evacuees sheltering in Kelowna, West Kelowna and Kamloops, Salvation Army organizations and those communities have joined forces to brighten what will be a tough holiday season for many. We pull out those decorations every year and I wonder how many families have those decorations to pull out and how their lives are going to be impacted this year. So um, that's why we just want to do anything we can. That includes inviting those evacuees to pick out toys if needed at the organization's toy shops in Kelowna and West Kelowna, as well as Christmas hampers. At the Central Okanagan Food Bank... Volunteers are busy putting together Christmas hampers for locals and evacuees this year, willing to even deliver the hampers to flood victims who may not have ways to get around. We are communicating to any of the flood victims that are here in Kelowna that they just call us and we will provide them a full Christmas hamper. As Okanagan organizations come to the aid of those flood victims, the need for more donations here locally becomes that much more critical. We do anticipate that it will be a much busier year than normal. Our numbers are already uh, trending towards what they were last year, perhaps a little bit more. And then add on top of that, the evacuee families that we will be supporting. Support to make a difficult time a tad easier. Claudia Vandenberg, Global News. BC's agriculture minister says lower turkey prices are coming, but likely not until the new year. And that is not great news for people preparing their Christmas feasts. As Catherine Urquhart reports, a price spike with roots going back to the summer heat dome is hitting consumers just in time for the holidays. So I would like the white and dark rose, please. Consumers are rushing to get their orders in for fresh turkeys. With everything that's going on, I thought that I should get the order in early. I have people in my house who are expecting turkey on Christmas, so I don't want to disappoint them. This holiday season, turkeys are not quite as plentiful. It's really an extraordinary situation. So I hope we're getting through this without any issues and we can keep serving our customers. Flooding in the Fraser Valley has contributed to a lower supply, with 2% of turkey farmers suffering heavy losses. 98% of our, our turkey supply is still intact. Uh, I am in contact with Kevin Klippenstein. He's the chair of the BC Turkey Marketing Board. Um, but we are going to see uh, some prices uh, reflected around the, the complications of transport. Also, the cost of feed is having an impact on prices. These are caused by the heat dome. And what the heat dome did is uh, it, the crop failures, massive crop failures for uh, wheat farmers in the prairies. And the number one ingredient for turkey uh, feed is wheat. And so we're facing uh, incredibly high prices for our wheat products. And so that's the main reason why you're seeing uh, some spikes in pricing. Consumers are being encouraged to buy early and also consider other options. We can make beautiful um, crowns of pork. That's very classic to do with Christmas. We have some goose as well. Your holiday meal, hopefully special, 
and tasty, whether you enjoy beef, lamb, or turkey. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Coming up, the Zim Kingston sets sail. The damaged cargo ship's next port and what will happen with the troubled vessel. Also ahead, expanding emergency health. The province's plan for paramedics and dispatchers. Working as one to connect our province. BC Together, in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash Together to learn where and how you can help today. Not a problem here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but in Delta, there's overnight lane closures for construction on Highway 17 at 96th Street with crews and flaggers on scene from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. seven days a week. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. From the Global Traffic Helicopter, I'm Jackson McNulty. A major controversy in Prince George involving a potential school board candidate who allegedly made some very disturbing comments about children. A warning, the story contains some very troubling subject matter. Video has surfaced a former UNBC professor, Stuart Parker, making some rather blunt comments about child sexual abuse during a third-year history class conducted on Zoom. That was in September of last year, and several students who asked not to be identified came forward when Parker recently announced his candidacy for school trustee in a January by-election. Do you really want him teaching young children this? Because he made 20-year-olds feel uncomfortable. Imagine how he'd make elementary school. Just the changes he would make, it's just, yeah, I don't know. He just came out and open and said these really awful things about, you know, child molestation and different things like that, and it was just really uncomfortable for everyone. All I can say is that throughout the process this generated at UNBC, I expressed, then as now, my contrition, my apologies, and my acceptance of responsibility for all of the adverse consequences that flowed from me choosing to work on a day I was not fit to. BC's education minister has condemned Parker's comments and has urged him to immediately withdraw his candidacy for school trustee. Sentencing has been handed down for the man responsible for a hit and run that killed three people in Kamloops almost two years ago. Three Thompson Rivers University students from Nigeria died when the vehicle they were in was struck by a pickup that blew a stop sign at twice the speed limit, then fled the scene early in the morning of November 3, 2019. A year later, Reed McKnight was charged. The 33-year-old today pleaded guilty and has been sentenced to three years in prison. The RCMP say while today's court decision cannot bring back the lives lost, it's hoped it will bring solace to the victims' families, friends and the community. Well, that cargo ship that dumped more than 100 containers into the ocean off Victoria and then caught fire is finally on its way to a B.C. port to be partially unloaded. Kylie Stanton has the latest on what will happen when it gets to Nanaimo and on the efforts to clean up the beaches that were overrun with debris. First, containers are lost in high seas. Then a fire breaks out. The situation on board the MV Zim Kingston going from bad to worse with every passing day, capturing the world's attention. But now, more than a month after the saga started, it's one step closer to coming to an end. The Nanaimo Port Authority is able to now support this vessel to conduct its salvage operations. Over the course of roughly nine hours, the ship left from Constance Bank near Victoria, accompanied by a fleet of support vessels 
traveling 86 nautical miles to its new anchorage off Nanaimo, where it will remain for the next week before coming into port where crews can get to work. It'll be approximately 60 containers that will be offloaded at DP World. Security sweeps will be done on containers, air monitoring, all those aspects will play a part in how the containers are moved off the dock. But as for the 105 containers that went overboard, 101 are believed to have sunk. The four that washed up resulted in the collection of 27,000 kilograms of debris from BC's beaches, including Cape Scott Provincial Park. Cleanup is still underway at Jurassic Point, a concerning situation for First Nations who call the area home. Let's just hope that things cleared up and they did do a good job cleaning up. But there's always that back picture in my head thinking about what are the really impacts after this devastation. The owner of the vessel is working with the Canadian Coast Guard to try and locate the sunken containers using sonar technology. At this point, officials say they don't pose an environmental threat. But what has been affected is the supply chain. A combination of the goods inside these containers never reaching their destinations and the incident holding up others ready to offload. Soon enough, things will finally be moving in the right direction. With us facilitating the salvage operation, we'll help other ships which are behind in queue uh, to move forward through the supply chain. Officials have yet to release an estimate on the cost of the incident. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Well, the province is expanding the care and treatment paramedics and first responders can provide to British Columbians in emergency situations. Keith Baldry joins us now to talk more about what it all means. The, the service has had a lot of issues over the past several months, Keith. Yeah, the pandemic has certainly framed emergency care, ambulance calls and such in a new light that we really haven't seen before. So the consultation process began some months ago about giving more life-saving interventions to both paramedics and first responders. And here's what was announced today. First of all, when it comes to first responders, by this we're largely talking about firefighters. They will have extra diagnostic testing capabilities, such as uh, taking people's blood pressure and such. They will be able to administer drugs to treat serious uh, allergy treatments and also patients can now be prepared by them for transport by paramedics and not just waiting for paramedics to prepare patients for transport. When it comes to uh, paramedics, they also will get an enhanced uh, life-saving uh, uh, practices, needle decompression for major chest trauma, life support medication during transport. They haven't been able to do that before. And Health Minister Adrian Dix outlining the changes and the need for them today. Oh, sorry, we have one more. I forgot about this. A reminder of what some of the new resources, 85 new paramedics, 30 new uh, full-time dispatchers, 50 ambulance stations, largely in rural areas, have been upgraded or expanded. As I mentioned uh, prematurely, Health Minister Adrian Dix talking about that today. The province is expanding the care that both paramedics and first responders can provide. When you call 911 and it's an emergency, you need to know that first responders can help you with every health intervention they are trained, licensed, and able to deliver. Our approach will deliver a more effective service for patients and families depending on it. It will also empower first responders to do what they do better than anyone, save people's lives when everything is on the line. Now, historically, there has been some, ten has been some tension between uh, paramedics when it comes to who can do what at certain accident scenes. But these are follow the recommendations that come from the uh, Emergency Medical Assistance Licensing Board, which is a neutral body. So one assumes that this has got a buy-in from all the players involved. All right. Thanks for that, Keith.
Right. Still to come, Tristan Jari bounces back. Tristan Jari makes the save. A big year for the kid from Surrey with talk he might be in the mix for the Winter Games. But first, after a break, reckless rig. The video prompting highway authorities to investigate. Well, earlier this week, RCMP urged commercial drivers to be careful on the roads. But video has emerged of one driver who, it seems, did not get that message. The video posted to Twitter shows a semi passing another rig on a double solid yellow line on a curve along Highway 5A. That's the winding two-lane route that travels between Princeton and Merritt. Traffic along the highway has been extremely busy since other major routes between Vancouver and the interior have been shut down due to slides. The B.C. Highway Patrol is investigating and B.C. Transportation says the province's Commercial Vehicle Safety and Enforcement Office will also be following up. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now with a look at our weather forecast. We'll need to be careful on the roads, uh, Christy, if that snow does materialize. Yeah, even if it doesn't, because we're going to be close to the freezing mark, it could be uh, slippery on some of the roads. So just take care tonight and tomorrow morning. Here's a look at how much. We really do expect the majority of the snow from Maple Ridge south down to Abbotsford and then out through the Fraser Valley. Those areas, 5 to 15 centimeters. And as well, those areas will continue to see the lingering effects into the afternoon. It'll take a little while for that system to shift out of those regions. Keep in mind, though, some areas may see a transition to rain even in the afternoon. Now, for Metro Vancouver, southern Vancouver Island, House Sound. Again, quite a variation. Zero to six centimeters of snow. That six likely over higher elevation regions. Malahat, Westwood Plateau, for example. And then far less to nothing potentially near the water. Far less as well expected across the northern parts of Vancouver Island. Once again, timeline starting off as rain overnight, transitioning to snow early tomorrow morning. And then that system shifts east through the morning hours. That's why we're going to likely see more snowfall in areas like Maple Ridge and out through the Fraser Valley. All right, quick look at the uh, pulse of the snowfall also expected in through the interior regions tonight and early tomorrow morning. Uh, very minimal amounts expected except for the mountain uh, passes. So Allison Pass as well as Coquihalla and the uh, Kootenai Pass area could see anywhere from uh, 5 to 15 centimeters expected there. So sunshine potentially by the afternoon for Metro Vancouver, although snow may, or rain may linger into the Fraser Valley. The next bout of snow, it will likely happen Sunday night into Monday, so we're urging everyone to tune back in over the weekend for more details on that one. Tonight's Central Windows weather window coming to you from Fort St. John. It's been very cold over the last couple of days, and Neil uh, sent us this photo of the little guys and gals out there on the ice there. Great backyard. How fun mm -hmm. is that? They even have a little fire there. That's so cool. Yeah. Place to warm up. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Christy. Uh, bring in Squire Barnes. It's so Canadiana, isn't it? It is. It's very Canadiana, but you can't really do it down here. Unfortunately, no. No. you got to actually go to a <laughs> go break. To, go to uh, Robson Square. So. Speaking of hockey players from uh, the lower mainland, Pittsburgh Penguins goalie Tristan Jerry knows the Canucks very well because his family were season ticket holders when he was growing up in Surrey. Had season tickets, uh, three rows up right behind the goalie, so was, I guess got to watch the goalie very closely. And that might have helped. He's hoping he can play tomorrow at Rogers Arena. And later tonight, the best part of Friday, satellite debris.
the the title for Squire's story is Patterson Place. In the lineup. In the lineup of it's our not show. Not like a new show. No, no. <laughs> but it does sound like a kid's show. Hey, let's go it's to Patterson's Place. Yeah. All right. Shall it's I begin? So Patterson. Yes. You can see Elias. Uh, one interesting stat from the Canucks win over Ottawa the other night was Elias Patterson didn't have a shot on goal. He also played about 13 and a half minutes. Five forwards had more ice time than he did. At the start of the season, he was over 20 minutes many nights. He hasn't been over 20 since November 17th. And at practice today, he was basically on the third line with Justin Dowling and Nils Hoaglander. Yeah, we'll take it game by game. I liked our game last game. We won 6-2. to two. I'm, I'm not uh, not overthinking it. And, you know, Petey, we'll see how the games go. I thought uh, I thought he's taken a step the last couple games. Looked, uh, we've been doing a little work with him on the ice and off the ice. And... Uh, but as far as what we're going to do with, with his line or anything, well, that's all about what's best for the team. And the Canucks start a homestand tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Tristan Jerry hopes the Penguins start him in goal because he is from Surrey. His family will be there. The Canucks might hope he doesn't play because he's been one of the best goalies in the league this year. Breakaway. Hyman for the hat trick. Denied. Tristan Jari makes the save. Tristan Jari has been making saves like this all season long for the Penguins, putting up numbers that have him right at the top with the NHL's elite goaltenders. He's top three in goals against average, top five in save percentage, and top seven in wins. Now in his fourth full NHL season, Jari is putting it all together in the Penguins' crease. I think that's it, just elevating all parts. I think that was something that I wanted to improve on over the summer, was just kind of round out my game and make sure that I'm uh, doing better in all aspects of it and just pushing myself to be better every day. I saw him from a young age. He's always been good, but um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, just seeing him up close and, um, you know, his ability lately to make the huge, you know, the, the big saves at the big time is, uh, has been huge for us. Jari's been used to success, winning a Memorial Cup with the Edmonton Oil Kings in 2014, but he has worked hard on his craft. When he was just 14, he started working with local goalie coach Paul Fricker. Tristan's been very resilient, and I, I would say mentally it's been, especially the last few years, uh, uh, his biggest asset. Is this guy maybe going to be think, thought about for Team Canada, the way he has played? Jari's been so good this year, he's now in the conversation to represent Canada at the Olympics. One problem, he's not on their player list that had to be submitted in October. Still, it's nice to hear. It's pretty cool, but I think it's just, it's about hard work. I think coming to practice every day and working hard, I think that's what translates it for your game just being able to put the time in and practice and off the ice I think that's what helps you and gives you the best success for games. Being mentioned for an Olympic spot wouldn't have been the case last spring when Jari admittedly struggled in the playoffs against the Islanders but he has bounced back better than ever which is a quality every successful goalie has to have. I think that can't define you it has to be something that you have to be able to push back and persevere through and I think just being able to use it as an experience and grow from it I think that's ultimately going to help me as a player. Look at this last night Alex Edler finally scored the 100th goal of his NHL career his 99th goal was February 25th 2020 for the Canucks against Montreal good for him. Uh, this Sunday, the Toronto Argonauts will host Hamilton in the CFL's East Division Final with the winner going to the Grey Cup. But the Argos don't know 
if their quarterback, McLeod Bethel Thompson, can play. He went to a Raptors game, and CFL players are not allowed to go to large sporting events. So now he has to pass three COVID tests before being allowed to play on Sunday. He apparently passed the first one today. He has another one tomorrow, and then one on Sunday morning. Quick note, uh, Abbotsford Canucks tomorrow having a teddy bear toss night. Mm-hmm. They'll do it after the first period, not on the first goal after the first period. After the first period. So don't start tossing. Don't toss until, early. Until they tell you. Yep. All right. Uh, satellite debris is up next, so don't go away. I won't. Okay. I won't leave early. Oh, it looks like we're in space. It is satellite debris. Mm-hmm. That's where the satellite debris usually is, in out space, there in space, yeah. orbiting the planet. That's true. And has been for years. Okay, so we're going to start with, this is kind of Christmassy, but I think there's a Christmas tree in this commercial. It's from Ikea. Here we go. Lay down or rest. Are you crazy? That crack in the wall needs addressing. The state of the floor is just depressing. This table's older than the pyramids. Older? At least it's younger than the mirror is. This place is small and it's barely a house. Never mind the cat, you couldn't even swing a mouse. So small. Hmm. Those curtains are looking tired. Decorations are tired. Look, your style is fired. Fired. It's like somebody hit you with a bulldozer. Bang! If your house was a car, it would get pulled over. Excuse me, please. This is very, 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 very unacceptable. Silence the critics. Ikea, the wonderful everyday. Fresh and clean. I don't know what that was at the end, but I liked it. I like the snail salt and pepper shakers. I would have kept those. I'll get those for you for Christmas. Oh, thanks. Uh, Okay, so uh, this one is from GoPro. Arthur the dog on the beach chasing a toy truck. Leave it, ah, ah, ah. Leave it, Arthur, no. Leave it. I just put that one in. Okay, this last one is uh, from TK Maxx over in the UK, and it's it is a Christmas commercial, most definitely. <gasps> she found it. This lucky lady just found a special, never-ending stocking at TK Maxx. Now she's got the one thing better than Christmas presents. Christmas presents for a whole year. (laughs) 
in-store or online and get prezzies delivered all year round. Sometimes there's good things that come from a burp, like Christmas gifts all year round. <laughs> Those were sound effects, all right. Yeah. Interesting. All right, final word on the weather, Christy. All right, so uh, we will see some snowfall overnight. It will transition early tomorrow morning, zero to six centimeters for Metro Vancouver, mainly over higher elevations. All right, stay safe on the roads, everyone. Have a good night and a good weekend.